Scratch, he's going to pray for us. Here we go. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the wonderful weather you did bless us with today. The great weather we're going to have tomorrow, Father God. But I pray for this moment, this time right now. Lord, speak through Mike. Let us not see Mike at all. We've been talking about the batons, and so we kind of briefly brought in what we've been talking about is that a lot of times for us that, you know, life looks like this, it's beaten up, and, and we pretend that it's not. And the other thing about that is if, if our life doesn't ever look like this, then remember we all agreed that said we're either living way too safe or we're uh, just way too insulated because life does this to us. Right? And so with that being the case, then it makes all the more sense that when Jesus said, I've got to send a helper, the helper of the Holy Spirit within us is what helps us through this. It helps us through this and also being able to admit this, knowing that when even that when all of this chaos happens in our life, that God sees us like this. Amen, yay. <laughs> That's a big yay. That's a whole lot of pressure off of you, right? And someone can come up and say, hey, are you having a cruddy day? And your answer can be, absolutely I am. Knowing that your identity in Christ does not change, but that you are Him-powered. That's H-I-M. You're Him-powered to be able to stand there and go, but it's not going to defeat me. And so then even last week, we had the relay track out here, and we drew that relay box. You remember that? Wasn't that cool? Sure was. Thank you. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was just a rectangle, but I made it. It was cool. I had the number one in it. And, and we said that, that that relay box represented 5% of the total track. You remember that? And that our lives, especially with the youth here, that I've only got really, me as a parent... I've got 5%, maybe 10, depending on how long they live on the back end of their deal. I've got about 5 or 10% of their life to be able to teach them how to grab the baton and then keep running. And gang, remember, we even said that within that box that not only our youth that are in that, our kids, our others, but anyone that comes in our life and they're in the box, and we're trying to teach them how to grab their hand back to grab the, the the baton of faith and to keep going, that there's a lot of times that their fist is clenched. They don't want your faith. And we said, don't, don't try to make them a, you know, to open their mouth and to shove it down them. Remember? And we said, you turn them into a carnival act. You know, they're going to turn into a sword swallower or something. And that there are times that your faith comes alive is what at times opens up their hand to say, you know what? My life just got like this. You've admitted it all the time that your life is like this, but you keep saying that this God, this Jesus sees you like this. I need someone to help teach me to let go and let God. And what we're saying is to let go of pretending that this never happens and that I look like this regardless. And so tonight I thought it would be, this would probably be the last night we see these for a little while. So I thought it would be kind of cool to have tangible examples of people that were passing the baton of faith off and those that would receive it and those that wouldn't.
because I believe that if you even kind of canvas your life here a little bit, think about you before you said yes to Jesus. And think about the folks that came into your life and said, I want you to know this man named Jesus Christ. What was their motive for wanting you to know Him? You don't have to answer that yet because we're going to come back to it. Because if you don't have an answer to that, then there's no reason for you to ever speak His name out. So go back to the time when you said yes to Jesus What was your motive for it? And do you want to share Him with others in such a fashion that you know that their life will be better with Him coming into their life? And if they say yes, are you equipped to show them how to get from here to say that this is okay and to live out this? This one's wide open. So what we're going to do, we're going to go go ahead and open up to Acts 7. I'm going to set the scene for you as you're starting to flip over to Acts 7. By this time, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Helper, has arrived on the scene. Okay? And the believers are growing like crazy. Now gang, quick time out here. This label of Christian was not on us at the first. Whenever people started following Christ, they were called people of the way. Those that follow the way. And so you'll see that in the first part of Acts. And the number of people following the way was growing. Now remember what Christ, how Christ said? He said, I am what? I am the truth. The... All right, let's say it together. Christ said, I am what? The way. Way to go. And so when someone hears you say that and they go, well, what does that mean? Do you have an answer for them? You see how I want to dig in underneath you so that you will always be equipped to give a reason for the hope that we have. Right? And so tonight we're going to see one of the reasons why He is called the way. All right? And so among them, this happens... Even in the early going, there were these squabbles among the believers. There were Hebrew-speaking believers and Greek-speaking believers. And you know what they were squabbling about? Food. (laughs) You ever squabble about food? You ever hurry to get in the line, want to be first because it's food? Around the table, do you grab the first chicken leg or whatever? You know? And so these guys are squabbling about food and they come to the twelve, the twelve apostles, and they start complaining about it and saying, hey, look, our widows are being overlooked in the distribution of food. And I love the apostles in their response. They said, look, you go among you and pick seven men. Pick seven people that are well respected. And I love this. Full of grace. Because the apostles said, our giftedness, our uniqueness is to continue to teach the way of Christ. We're going to be about that every day, all day long. If we're fishing, if we're mending tents, whatever we're doing, we're going to be teaching the way that Christ would want us to live out. 
And so since we're not going to set up the food program, you go among you and pick out seven, and the seven have to be full of grace, and they've got to be well-respected. How would you do that? They didn't have this. So they go out, and I want, you to, I, want us, I want us to really, I want you to put yourself in your workplace Monday, and if someone said, hey, I want you to go pick someone out that is full of grace and well-respected, who do you go to? And what if that same question had been tossed to others in your workplace? How many come to you? How many come to us? And so isn't that cool that these guys, man, they were going, I know exactly who I'm going to. And a lot of them went to this guy named Stephen. And Stephen was slaying it. I mean, he's absolutely loving on folks like crazy. And they're going, Stephen, you got to be one of the guys. you got to be one of the seven. And so he is. And so in Stephen and how he's taking care of people, he's doing so that it's making the establishment upset. upset. Now, gang, remember, Christ has risen. The Holy Spirit of Christ has come. And just because that happened doesn't mean that everyone that was against Christ when He was crucified left. As a matter of fact, their intensity picked up. It was not the sexy thing to do is to say, yes, that you followed the way of Christ. People were getting murdered. Their livelihoods were getting taken away from them. Hence, the need to distribute food among the believers. And so we see a group taking care of themselves, and Stephen, he's taken. He, <laughs> they go and grab him, and they bring him into this court, and the way that they do it is they have some folks that tell some lies about Stephen. They say Stephen is telling lies about Moses and about God. And so let's pick it up. It's here in Acts 7. And so we're going to walk into the courtroom and look in on Stephen and see what happens. And so Stephen, I'm going to start here at verse 23. And he's standing in a room with all the guys with the real pretty robes and high hats on. And he says, one day when Moses was 40 years old, he, being Moses, saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. I think that's pretty cool. The very person that they said that Stephen was telling lies. God is a redemptive, forgiving, graceful, merciful God. <laughs> he is forgiving. And so verse 25, Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. And so I think that's, I think that's a part of where we get this mixed up. Okay, Folks come to us. They start to ask questions. Moses assumed. He just assumed that the fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. So Moses just starts acting as if, hey, man, I'm here to save you. And what we do a lot of times is that when someone comes into our lives in distress, we automatically start giving them solutions instead of helping them to learn. Jesus. 
I wish I'd learn how to play the xylophone now. Good job, Mike. That was really good. All right. Back with me. Eyeball me here. So what happens, think about how when folks come into your life, are you helping them learn how to discern? Or are you giving them the answer automatically? Especially if someone asks you, says, hey, will you just tell me what to do? And when that happens, the thing is, is that no. Now, quick, quick time out here. <laughs> this, is, this is like the fire alarm night. <laughs> Someone do something with that phone! <laughs> I love it. It's a crazy safe place. I love it. Gang, if we can't ever start laughing at that, seriously, look at me just for a second. If we can't come in here and have fun and just relax, then we can fold this little tent and stay home. You know what I mean? There was a day before dot-coms and phones that we just gathered and we did it. And that's what we're doing. So God bless you for coming in this room. Back to this just one more time. <laughs> Learn and discern. There are times when folks come into our life that their life has been turned upside down so bad and they're in such a fog that you can't make the next decision. I've been there. And so there are times when someone looks at you and says, Bivo, I don't know what to do. Then you help and say, this is the next step that we take. But knowing that I'm about to hand off to you your faith. I'm going to teach you how to learn and discern. I'm going to release you. I want you to be dependent upon Him, not me. I've heard Deb say this a lot. I can't be your Holy Spirit. And a lot of times, man, we walk around wanting to be everyone's Holy Spirit. <laughs> and we are not. So, verse 30, let's skip down. Forty years later. Now, gang, when we first got introduced, Stephen told us that Moses was 40. Forty years later, Moses is 80. And he's in the desert near Mount Sinai. An angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. The mountain that they're talking about is the mountain that's referred to as the mountain of God. It's the same mountain, gang, that over 400 years earlier, this guy named Abraham, the guy Abraham that God said, you are credited as righteous. You are credited as being accepted. I love you just simply because you've said yes to me. And it's the same Abraham at this same mountain that, that God said, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And so it's the same Abraham that got his son. He got all the things that were needed to go do a sacrifice. He goes up and he tells everyone, we'll be back. It's the same mountain. Moses is there at this same mountain that Abraham went up, then heard after he laid his son out on the altar and, and was about to literally slay his son that the angel of the Lord said, Stop! <laughs> Can you imagine? Do we even get that remotely close with any of our kids? 
Do we even get even that remotely close with ourself? Father, Lord, I hear you. But man, that, I'm not in on that game. So Moses is standing at this mountain where someone for 400 years, gang, handed the baton off. They would pass the mountain. Mama, Daddy, what happened at this mountain? Well, here's what happened. The angel of the Lord spoke here. God, this is God's mountain. This is the mountain of God. Well, how come? You see, there weren't these. There wasn't this. For 400 years, people passed the baton and said, man, don't forget this spot. And so what does he do? When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. I bet... Because he had to remember that. Not only was it just majestic that it jutted up almost 7,600 feet, he knew that Abraham had heard the angel of the Lord speak. And now he does too. He was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him. Listen to what he says. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not look. Wow. For 400 years, he had also heard how God had taken care of folks that would not take care of His people. He also had heard for 400 years how God would even reprimand those before the coming of Jesus Christ that when they did not obey, that there was 40 years of wandering. 400 years people passing the baton saying that God is who God says He is. And so then 33, then the Lord said to him, man, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And then he goes on to tell him like we have to remind God of anything, but boy, I'm sure do that a ton. Hey, Lord, I'm just making sure. <laughs> Father, I'm just making sure you see what's going on down here. I'm in the midst of chaos. And so, it God doing being God, He says, I've certainly seen the oppression of My people in Egypt. I have heard their groans have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back. I'm going to send you back to the very people that are rejecting you. So God sent Him back to this verse 35. He said, I'm going to send you back to the, had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses back to the ruler and Savior. And so I'm going to skip down for time's sake on verse 39. But listen to him. He said, but our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. Real quick, I'm in the relay box. He's telling them all the things that God's telling them, and they've got closed fists. He can't make them believe. These are the coolest stickers ever. They really are. Because you will live out who you believe yourself to be. And we see here there's moments when they just do not believe that they are who God says they are. You are my chosen people. I love you dearly. I want to take care of you. Would you please let me? There has to be a willing spirit. There has to be a willing heart within you to allow God to do what He wants to do. He will not, over, he will not overrun you. That's why He gives you a free will choice to love Him 
His choice has already been made or He wouldn't have blown life into you. Verse 40. So they, the people that had just now started to live in freedom, told Aaron, that's Moses' brother, says, make us some gods who can lead us for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us to Egypt because Moses is up on the mountain and for 40 days, after 40 days, they said, man, make us some kind of God. And so 51 says, You stubborn people, you are a heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. And so what that word, depending on your translation, heathen, it could be uncircumcised. It's a metaphor for covering your ears and heart. And so look at it. He's saying, must you forever cover your ears and heart to the truth. And who did we just say that Jesus is? The what? The way. And so before, the, one of the verses that we, that we skipped over just for time's sake is that Moses said there's a prophet that will come up from our people. And so fast forward 1,400 years. And Stephen is the one that's telling his story to the court of the guys that know that everything that Stephen is saying is spot on. They know it deep down within their being, but they can't handle it because all of their authority leaves. And so what do they do? They drag him outside. And when they drag him outside, they got to get limbered up because, see, they got a bunch of rocks in their hands. And they're going to set Stephen over there, and they got all these rocks, and they're going to take their jackets off. And when they take their jackets off to get them arms loosened up and start chunking rocks at Stephen, who had just received the baton and had been passed to him, and now he's trying to pass it to them, and they're close-fisted. Now they're opening up their hands, and they're picking up rocks. And right before they do that, they hand their coats to this guy named Saul. And Saul's on the scene. You would know him. Saul's the guy that here pretty soon would turn into Paul. And Saul's holding the jackets of the guys that are about to stone Stephen who has done nothing but just speak the truth. And the rocks start flying. And Stephen goes down. And he releases his spirit and Jesus sees him and he knows that he's with him. The baton has been passed. He is secure. He is safe. He's forever sealed. And what it does is that it spreads like wildfire. And so what do we do? You see, because I believe the fascinating thing about Stephen is that who taught him? I want us to go back to where we were before. Who is passing the baton to you of faith? And how are you passing the baton of your faith over to others on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday? That when you answer the phone or that when you're in these, these halls of schools, is that do people see you as a people of being full of grace and of respect? I believe they do. Because see, I see you teaching others how to do that. Right? Last thing as we start to close.
you're in great company, gang, because we're now over 2,000 years since the resurrection of Christ. And you're handing the baton of faith off like Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're in the greats of the greats. <laughs> you're in the freaking hall of faith. And how you hand out your faith. And you may not ever see, say His name. But they will know you by your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. So here's what I want us to close with. So remember our verse from last week. It was in Psalm 78. And it said, Are we going to be like those who refuse to give their heart? And at the end of the thing, we said, no, man, we're giving our heart. We're giving everything that we have. We, Lord, I know that there's places that I am holding back, and so I want to give that to You. And I want someone to teach me, why is that one piece of my heart that I'm still refraining from? Ezekiel said in 36.26, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Then, like Stephen, the world will see how you're full of the Spirit, that you're fully respected, and you are believing that you are who Jesus says you are and that you are Him powered. Father, I thank You for a people that get that. They're in this room right now. I love being in their midst. I told this just the other day. I, I really do believe that, that, Father, that people are placed in my life because there's something that I'm missing that only they can deliver. Because, Lord, You're that on purpose in making each and every one of us. And so, Father, for those moments that when we deflect and, and say, I'm just, that's not me, that we would remember that we are. So Lord, tonight we've seen how Stephen walked us through a generation after generation of, of, of how to hand the baton of faith off. And we've seen some people that have refused to grasp it. But we've seen others that have been willing to open their hands and receive it. And that's who's in this room. Father, if there's anyone in this room tonight who hasn't opened their hand to receive the faith of You, Father, if there's anyone in this room tonight that, that says, man, I'm, I do have a stony heart. I want this new spirit. That, Father, that they would seek someone that they know that can hand them the baton. And if that's someone in this room, great. But I quite honestly hope it happens on a Monday or a Tuesday in someone's home with a mom and daddy or an aunt or an uncle. Or someone that gets knee to knee with someone in an office and just lives a ton of life with them. Or maybe it's on the other end of a phone to talk to someone miles away. So Lord, we love You. And we count it just such an honor to be able to call You Abba Daddy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Right before they sing... We have the communion that's set up back here. So as the songs are rolling, man, it, we, per, we, um, we believe in an open table.
And what that means is that if you've said yes to Jesus, then the bread and the cup are open, wide open. And what we're doing as a people when we participate together is that we're saying that we are yoked through Jesus Christ and that He is coming back. And so I pray that everyone does that freely and often.